Well, last year, around this time, some of you might have remembered that we looked at Proverbs 6 to 7 in a sermon titled, Fatherly Warnings on Lust. Now, why you might remember that is if you were doing the daily reading, um, the kind of the rhythms of the McShane Bible reading plan put us at the similar times and similar, similar times of year. And uh, I just remembered thinking about how relevant Proverbs 6 and 7 were because in our day and age, sexual sin is just rampant. It's ghastly and it's all around us and it devastates people everywhere, families everywhere, communities everywhere. Homes are destroyed everywhere. People are trapped everywhere because of it. And so last year when we looked at Proverbs 6 and 7, I remember back then thinking, man, Proverbs 5 would be good. And here we are a year later, and and we're going to look at Proverbs 5 as well. Because this problem of sexual sin and temptation and things of that nature has been a problem ever since the beginning of creation shortly after when Adam and Eve sunk their teeth into the forbidden fruit. And they introduced sin into the world that everybody after them has been impacted by. This past week, I've been just saddened to hear about the tragic fall of a pastor into sexual sin and immorality and adultery. And um, these stories, they just hit hard and you hear dynamics of what's going on and you realize how pervasive it is. It it seems that we're hearing news about things like that or just news about that that you all have heard about even close to home, friends or family or community. Um, There's sin that that gets its webs into us, into people and, and leads to destruction, right? We see that everywhere. On the outside, this preacher, he was faithfully preaching and leading his church. But on the inside, he was pursuing his every lust and desire. We need to put this before ourselves as Christians because this is just pervasive throughout our culture. We, we, in, in our lives, we need to be aware about how serious these things are. And add to the fact that sexual sin is an ever-present danger for every one of us here in this room as well. We can't get enough warnings and reminders about these things. And the book of Proverbs is wise and needed for each and every one of us. So here we are again giving another warning against lust and sexual sin. As we see in Proverbs here, the father instructing his son as it relates to the reality and and traps of the world. And ladies, just a word for you, this also relates to you. I remember teaching the Proverbs to my little girls at the time when we went through the Proverbs and family worship some time ago when my daughters were younger. And I remember telling them that though oftentimes... Um, The author here is mentioning his sons, my son, things of that nature. I told them that these warnings just happen to be from a father to his son, but they also relate and apply 
in ways of fathers to daughters, for instance, as well, or to both men and women. Just You might flip some of the examples in your mind, but the Proverbs are useful for all of us, whether boys or girls, men or women, husbands or wives. Does that make sense? You'll see my son, my son, my son right here in the, the passage as it follows the, the order, even as we saw a year ago in the Proverbs 6 and 7 sermon, that following those sermon points, my son, my son, my son. Let's start with point number one. And my son flee the tempting and deceived adulterous woman from Proverbs chapter 5 and verses 1 to 6 for this. It says this, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding so that you may keep discretion and keep and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drips honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. There are certain kinds of people, or in this particular passage, certain kinds of women. And there are also certain kinds of men, for that matter, who are up to no good, as we see in this passage, who have evil intentions. In fact, anyone who would seek to proposition or pursue Sexually, someone who is not their spouse, for whatever reason, falls into this category of an adulterous type person. In a fallen world, many people are in that category. We just have to be honest. Do you see, can you see why a father might want to speak truths of wisdom to his children about this? I want to warn my kids about this in an age-appropriate ways, of course, as they kind of grow up, right? And as your pastor who loves you, I want to warn you as well. The scriptures put this forward to us. But not only are people in this category, but I would also add that there are places and, and certain kinds of media like pornography that's so rampant in our world and you see even in popular television shows things that are pornographic in nature. There's one really more recent popular show uh, that, that is at peak and has been at peak popularity, and I've heard that this show is littered with seductive pornographic material throughout, and sadly, some Christians have been seduced and hooked on following shows like that on their own, and they're doing it to their own peril and temptation and unwise consumption. Now, I don't know how you could read the Proverbs and see that it might be a good idea to consume that kind of stuff because those temptations are there. We need to be wise. We need to be careful in these things. Think about it. If we are seeking to be faithful Christians, do you think it's wise and helpful to kind of flirt with and consume media that appeals to our flesh in our temptations, I mean, I don't see how that would be wise, really. Like, so we need to heed the Father's warning and avoid sexual immorality and the adulterous from all places because none of it is going to be good for us, no matter where it might come from. 
all of, us, all of it is going to hurt us deeply or hurt others deeply. This content in these seductive people may seem pretty even. They may seem attractive, like we see here in this passage, right? That's why this father is warning his son here. If these things weren't alluring, he wouldn't be warning him like he does. Because he knows that he will, his son will be tempted by it, just as he knows those temptations in the world himself. And every single person in a fallen world knows of the temptations as well. The passage warns us, it just gives us good, solid direction that their lips and speech seem good and attractive, but in the end it just leads to what? Bitter wormwood, the passage says. Something so ugly and unattractive is what it leads to. It's what it really is. Something that will hurt you and make you sick. Not something that's desirable. Not something that's good for you. Something that's terrible. So I, I would suggest that the Proverbs are here for us to think about all these adulterous things on the front end uh, and see how sneaky and deceptive and fake their attractions really are. What they display is not what it really is, right? It's almost as if you have to look at these things and see these things and see what what the world is is pulling you towards, where the temptations are pulling you towards, and see what their real end is. You need to see the bitter wormwood now, the godlessness, the ugly ambition that it all is. That's what the father is suggesting here. He says it seems alluring, son, but that's fake beauty and fake attraction. Really, it's just rotten to the core wormwood. I challenge you all. I challenge myself. I challenge our whole church. As this father challenged his son, we need to transform our eyes to see sexual immorality as the bitter and rotten wormwood that it really is. Is. This leads us to our second point, and number two. My son, don't even go near the temptation. Look with me at Proverbs 5, 7 through 11 for this. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. Do you see again that sober warning here from the Father? He's saying, if you go down the road towards godless immorality, you are going to lead yourself right to hell and destruction that the adulterous person is already in themselves. That's a godless person, an unbeliever. Don't go that way. They do not fear God. That's an adulterous woman there. He's talking to his sons, or you could flip it around, and that's an adulterous man there. Or that, that's an adulterous situation or thing that you're, you're, you're pursuing, or, or that's a place that you just don't want to go. It's, it's perverted. It's, it's wrong. Um, anything or thought or anything like that, the father is calling his sons... To not even go near it. It is godless by very definition. They're not going to lead you to life but to death. Now, I want to make a comment here because this isn't, you know, I'm not saying anything about the eternal security or the perseverance of the saints when I say that. 
warning that you might be led to death because I believe that all genuinely converted believers, true believers, will persevere until the end and God will preserve them until the end and they will be saved. However, some people profess faith in Christ when they're never saved to begin with, right? We know that that's a category. But whether a person is a believer or an unbeliever, the path of the adulteress is bleak and dangerous and destructive. So whether a believer like David goes down the adulterous path, which we see that in David's life, he did do that, or a professing believer who's not genuinely saved goes down a path that, that many fall into that category in our world, all of it is dangerous. All of it leads to immeasurable consequences. You don't want to mess with that, whether you're a believer. Or, if you're a believer, you don't want it. There's destruction. There's consequences. Do yourself a, a favor here and stay far, far away from any of it. Many men and women have fallen into a web of this immorality throughout the history of the world, and talking to them afterwards, most of the time, you would hear from them as you talk to them that they never saw it coming even. Most of them were not always pursuing it. I may say most, many do pursue it, but there are some who fall into category who weren't actively pursuing that in that way, which is why we need to be getting these reminders. You might think like, Daniel, why are you talking about this? Well, the Bible talks about this. The Bible warns believers. The Bible warns all of us. We need to get ahead of the temptation and avoid the places, the people, the inner lusts now before it's too late. And then if it's too late, you're at the point of agonizing over an unthinkable, consequential, destructive, and sinful life-changing action. I remember listening to a sermon by a, a pastor who shared that he was counseling uh, this man who was married. The man came into his office, and he can tell by the look of terror, of guilt. And the man, a grown man, was screaming from his heart with tears down his face. Oh, why? Why did I do this? This man's life was changed because of an adulterous affair that he had, adulterous situation that he did, and he didn't see it coming kind of before, which is why it makes sense that we get warnings like this. It makes sense I could bring it up again because we're living in a day and age where as you're I want to warn us all about these things so that we can avoid them. Don't you think that this pastor in the city may have said years ago, this, the, the man that I was mentioning that I'd heard about, do you think maybe he if, he, if he's a believer especially, right? Do you think maybe he would have thought he'd never go down that road as well? Maybe. I'm not sure where this pastor was at. I don't know if he's a true believer or not. But the point is we need to be vigilant and alert and aware and wise and stay far, far away from all of it. That's a warning here clearly from Proverbs. And number three, let's continue on. My son, don't despise warning, correction, or rebuke. Look with me at 5 and verses 12 now. And you say, how I hated discipline. And my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers. 
or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembly of the congregation. Do you see this emphasis here, right? The lazy, prideful, self-righteous kind of people might ignore correction and reproof and might be the ones who are regretting later not heeding the warning. Don't be that type of person, ignoring the warning, thinking you have it all together, not being aware, not being vigilant, not being careful. Because the flip side here is also true. Many successful growing Christians, and none are perfect, not one are perfect, but many of them are the ones, and you know, all of them, are the ones who are heeding warnings like this in Scripture. As Tom Schreiner points out in a few of his books and, and, and commentary on Hebrews and things of this nature, he, he actually points out that God intends the warnings in Scripture to be a means whereby God actually keeps genuine believers away from the destruction and terrible decisions falling off that cliff. Like a father to his son. Warning. Proverbs kind of functions here in in this way, kind of like Hebrews in that. These warnings are for all of us. We need to think about the bitter wormwood and the effects on our futures now and be warned away from those paths of destruction now while things may be going well in our lives. My three-year-old son today with this beautiful weather, 70s and awesome, we're all outside, and my son, three-year-old, he's just walking out in the middle of the road, and I see him, I'm working on the sermon, sitting on the porch, writing sermon. I'm like, Micah, what are you doing, buddy? And he says, I'm looking for Anna. I don't understand how looking for Anna in the middle of the street makes sense, right? You know she's not there, buddy, but I had to warn him, I had to get him back in and remind him, you don't need to look for Anna in the middle of the street. Get up. A father warns his son. A good father warns his son. The Bible warns us. Genuine believers need to be warned away from destruction because there are consequences of sinful living. So we need to be reminded and over and over again, and, and, and this is another reason for a, another sermon in Proverbs 5 through 7 here on this topic of warning from sexual sin and deception. We're just like kids. We need constant reminders, warnings, and instructions because we don't want to be like a careless son or daughter ignoring discipline and correction because if we ignore, that will be our doom. And it's just so unwise for us to ignore. So my challenge to all of you here or who are watching online is to not ignore it, And to heed it, this leads us to point number four. Son, be content and pursue only your wife romantically. Look with me at Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 19 for this. It says this, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be For yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fulfill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. 
God has given each of us and has clearly shown us in his word only one avenue for pursuing romantic and sexual intimacy. The scriptures reveal that. And that one avenue is our spouse alone. And that is a gift, the scriptures reveal. It's not meant to be a limitation. As this passage says, this is joyful, encouraging, a good thing. It's a gift. We see here that the, the author here is overflowing with joy and telling his sons about the blessing of a wife or a husband of their youth. Sometimes we in the church talk about how all the things that we can't do, and we never say anything about the blessings that God has given us in his word in a worldview that shapes something that's better and more glorious. And we just slap hands and we just, we just no, 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 and, and show, no, there's something better. That's the point of what the father here is telling his sons. We need to see that for ourselves, and we need to see that as we disciple and teach and communicate to other people, whether our own children or whether other people in our church that we're, that we're teaching and discipling. Each husband has only his wife to pursue these romantic ways, right? And each wife has only her husband to pursue these things in these ways. The scripture is so clear, it almost seems like, why is it saying that? It's too simplistic. Or it may seem like to you, should, should it even say that in the Bible? I don't know where you're coming from, but both of those things might be the response to a passage like that. But I want us to get our biblical worldview from the Bible, not our emotions and feelings or culture or anything of that nature, right? Because this does seem so basic. It's plain. But in this world of blatant sexual immorality all around every corner and the media and in everybody's lives and histories and pasts, this needs to be said, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And it needs to be said back then, way back when the father was telling his sons in Proverbs, and all the more it needs to be said right now today in our world, right? Like, you see that? I hope you can see that. Christianity is not only about what you can't or shouldn't do on this topic of lust and immorality and, and, and things of that nature, right? Of course, Christians should flee all kinds of immorality and, and sexual immorality and adultery and things of that nature, and they should not pursue that and run away from it. But on the positive side here, we're seeing God has given each one of us who are married a spouse who is a blessing and enjoyed to us to wholeheartedly and single-mindedly pursue, to pursue them. Pursue your spouse only romantically and nothing and no one else. That's the biblical direction. And if you're not married, the, the direction from the scriptures is to either seek to be married or else there's not avenues like that the scriptures are so clear that marriages is the only way so we talk to young people or the youth or children in age-appropriate ways we want to point them towards seeking and pursuing if they want that kind of a relationship to be esteeming marriage to be planning for marriage to be seeking to be the kind of husband or wife that god calls them to be because marriage is a good thing and a blessing and we want to point everyone towards God's institution of marriage, which is a blessing. Don't we need that more and more in our world today? God has given us marriage and spouses, as we even see in Genesis 2, as a gift to be thankful for. 
for companionship, for love, for all these types of wonderful things. And we see here in Proverbs that we are to delight in our spouse and to be, what does it say? Intoxicated by their love always, as the passage tells us. And you won't hear the word and you won't hear about intoxication much in a Baptist church and for good reason, right? Because intoxication, sin, getting drunk and things of that nature is sin and should be avoided. And that's true. But do you see here now that the word there is is used as it relates to marriage in a positive way, not in a negative way. To be intoxicated with your spouse is to be romantically thankful for them as a gift that is to be enjoyed. But for those seeking adulterous things, you are missing out on what God calls believers to for joy. So we need to avoid, and all of us and anyone, we would call people to avoid adulterous things and pursue our spouse or to pursue a spouse if you're not married. This leads us to our next point in number five. Son, fear God who sees your wandering eyes and hearts. He sees it. Fear him. Look with me at Proverbs 5, 20 through 23. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? And embrace the bosom of an adulteress. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. And he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he has led astray. The father warns his son here. Of the great foolish folly that he might be drawn to. He warns him of the ensnaring web of sexual perversion and the iniquities that encompass him if he's not careful. Earlier in the passage, we saw the what? Sharp two-edged sword. That's not nice and kind. That's to like pierce and kill you and cause suffering and pain. That's what the adulterous situation is. It's a two-edged sword coming at you. The father's warning away from that sword that's coming at his sons. Earlier, the passage also says it's bitter wormwood. It's a path to destruction. It may seem good, but it's not. Like the ox to the slaughter, like we saw last year in Proverbs 6 and 7. We should be thinking and and we should recognize, even in all these consequences, there's a lot that are in here in Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. There's tons of consequences. And we should be reminded ourselves away from adulterous things with those consequences. But let let me point out here what the author points out here, that the greatest warning in reality that we must have before us and remember is that God knows and sees all things. Those of you who are in our discipleship table talks, you know that we're going through the attributes of God right now in our theology portion. There, as in R.C. Sproul's book, currently, we need to remember these attributes of our great and sovereign God who knows and sees all things. He is the omnipresent, everywhere present, and omniscient God. Nothing gets past him. You may sneak things past other people. You may deceive other people in this church, maybe even in this room. You may get away with deceiving your parents and what child doesn't deceive their parents at some point and need to be corrected, right? People everywhere uh, may be seeking to get out of things, to hide things, but nothing gets past God. Do you see that from the text? 
No evil thought or deed ever gets behind or beyond the sight and awareness of God. This should humble us. This should, should give us a healthy recognition of, of who we are before a holy God. So how can a Christian neglect God's good gift of marriage and pursue these adulterous things? It just seems unthinkable. Why would they want to do that? Why do they do that? Why? Because they forget God. This pastor I mentioned, if he's a believer and he knew God, knows God, it's because he forgot God. The man that I mentioned in the illustration who was screaming there in front of his pastor, why was he screaming? Why did he do that? Because he forgot God. Don't forget God. They didn't realize or recognize or remember that God takes account and knows all things. He takes account of the wrong kind of intoxication with the forbidden woman. Did you see the transition from be intoxicated with your wife in the last point to this one? Don't be intoxicated with the adulterous woman. He takes account of that. We should never be intoxicated with anything else, any other adulterous thing. We must flee those things as Christians. But here's the thing. If God sees all and he does, and we live in a sin-sick, sin-twisted world, and we do, and if we have hearts that are easily led astray because of indwelling sin in the flesh, and we do, even as believers, where do we go from here? What? You might be thinking, if I've been tempted and fell in a variety of ways, in thought or deed, where do we go from here? This leads us quickly to our sixth and final point, and number six. My son, find repentance, forgiveness, and a way forward in the gospel. 1 John chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10 says this. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's cleansing from all unrighteousness. You say, even sexual sin? Yes, even sexual sin. Christians, you see, are confessors, or to put it another way, we are repenters. The whole Christian life is a life of repentance. Turning from sin and turning towards faith, to, in faith to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here with us this evening or watching uh, this evening, and you've fallen far, far, far away in your thought life or what you have viewed or what you have even done and pursued in, in, in a pursuit of these adulterous things in this particular topic that the Proverbs is bringing out and speaking to. The gospel calls you to repentance, to seek the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. If you've fallen in these ways, it's not over. Let me tell you, there is a way out of the snare and trap of the bitter wormwood. You don't have to continue in the secret sin, but you can turn from it and run to Jesus, the Savior of sinners. You may be plunged with that double-edged sword right into your gut, bleeding out, about ready to die. There is a Savior for sinners, even bleeding out sinners in these ways. The path is not 
the way that any of us learned Christ, right? The, the path of the adulteress. That's not how we learned Christ, to use the language of the Galatian series. But we have the gospel that, that goes out to sinners. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So I would encourage all of us to seek help from God and from other trusted believers because there is a way forward from sexual sin. Always. God wants each of us to either continue, if we're here in believers, and let's say we're, we're seeking to be faithful. We're not perfect, but we're seeking to be vigilant and aware and avoid this path. Maybe that's where you're at here this evening. He wants us to continue down that path in awareness and vigilance. But then maybe there are other people who, who are down a, a terrible road pursuing the bitter wormwood and, and with, like I said, a sword hurting them. The answer to those is to turn to Jesus to seek the Savior of sinners. We all need the gospel. We all need Jesus. So seek the help and care and way out and direction to be able to actually be turned to move forward because there's a new direction of living, okay? The world puts forward like this only way, sexual immorality, impurity, uh, terrible living, terrible just destruction. There is a different way. There's a different way forward from that, away from these adulterous people, places, and things. And that starts with turning to the Savior, seeking help now, and seeking help from other trusted pastors and friends as it relates to this to encourage you along the way. Be warned, church, this is two years in a row. Uh, the scriptures have, have been pointing towards this, and there's other places in scripture. Let's all be warned, and then also let's use this to be able to warn others, our children or other people in this church or people that we run across. Let's have this worldview to put against the, the destructive worldview and culture that we live in as it relates to these things. And let's pray for help for everyone right now. Father, we thank you for your word and its power. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us on our own to think through how we are to live in this fallen world, but you've given us a way forward. Even after the fall, where everything was a mess, where marriage was a mess, where all these types of things were a mess. You gave a way forward even back then, and you give it to us now. Would you just be with all of us? Would you help um, believers that are seeking to grow and be faithful to you just to continue to be aware and pursuing wisdom in these and other areas so that we might glorify you? Would you help us all to have the kind of accountability and love and direction as your word kind of puts forward? It's built in your word to be caring about and talking about and be aware of these things. And Lord, we also pray for those who may have fallen or are falling or struggling in these ways, that they would find help and hope and rescue in Jesus as Jesus reaches down and pulls us up out of the pit. That rescues people, Lord, he rescues people from the bitter wormwood. He rescues people from the piercing sword of destruction. He helps the ox to the slaughter to go down a different path. And so we pray for, for all of those who may be in that place, that they would seek help and repentance and they would seek the grace of Jesus Christ. We say this in Jesus' name.